As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Race IndyCar podcast. No need to outline what's on the show today. It's just one man, the star of the show, Christian Lungard. Welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm, I'm doing good. And yourself? Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. It's lovely to have the IndyCar Rookie of the Year on the podcast. Has it, has it sunk in yet? Are you excited about it still? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, eyes forward now. We we want to we wanna improve it for, for next year for sure. Um you know, kind of realizing how the, the season's gone, you know, how much we struggle in the beginning. And now we, we turned it around and, and came back even stronger. That's, uh, you know, that's that's the thing we need to realize and, and work on for, for next year again. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second then. But I know at the moment you've uh, you've taken a well-earned break back to uh, back to Denmark. So what's the first thing you do when you when you head back there? Is there anything in particular, anywhere you like to go? Or is there a certain type of food that you have to get when you when you head back to Denmark? What's the situation there? Um, actually, I've, I've tried my best, uh, to get Indian food coming back because, uh, I found this very good Indian, uh, restaurant quite, uh, close to where I live in, in, um, in Indianapolis. So, uh, I haven't actually succeeded in, in doing that yet, which is a bit, uh, <laughs> disappointing, but, uh, no, honestly, see my, see my friends that I haven't seen in, uh, nine months, um, from the day that I, I left, I haven't seen anyone actually. So it, it's been good catching up with, with some other, some of, some of them. Um, I know we we have something planned for tonight as well, where we we're just gonna sit and and probably watch a movie and play some games and, and stuff. Uh, get the PlayStation out, of course, um, and and have some fun, you know, catch up. Awesome. Well, I guess yeah. How have you how have you kind of settled into the the US way of life? Because it's it's kind of interesting, I guess, because when you've done you know Formula Two and, and stuff like that before, you're obviously traveling a lot and, and living out of a suitcase. But this is kind of a little bit different again, I guess, because you are kind of you know, you have moved a, a long way around the world, obviously from from where you're from. But at the same time, you're also you know kind of making a home there now and and making new friends and and all that kind of stuff. So, how, how has that process gone? And and how do you find kind of living in the US? Have you have you taken to it well? Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, uh, I actually like living in the states. I think um, the the city that I live in 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 Indy, it's it's very European. I would say it, it's not Denmark for sure. You know, coming back here, it's 
it's straight away different. Um, and, and you sort of miss some of it. And I, a fun, fun story is I had seven friends that, um, that flew to Miami um, in the end of August. Oh, yeah, in the end of August. And they drove, they rented a car van and drove the whole way to San Francisco uh, <laughs> over the whole month of, of September. And um, we actually missed each other by one day, oh, which is no. a bit unfortunate, obviously. But, you know, speaking, I, I saw one of them yesterday, uh, one of the, my friends that, that was on that trip. He said, coming back, it, it's crazy how different the culture is. And even though that America is, you know, it's, it's different, it's nice. And then when you come back, it's, you know, it's home. Um, that, that's what we've, we've been used to and, and so on. Uh, but coming back to Denmark, I was actually surprised my dad didn't sell my bed. <laughs> um, you know, so it was nice knowing when, whenever I got back home that there was a bed to sleep in. <laughs> awesome. I guess it's been a, a kind of a roller coaster year. I, I imagine you had, you know, high expectations for, for this season based on, you know, what you're able to do at, at Indy last year, your incredible qualifying performance and, and, uh, yeah, just a, an all round kind of brilliant debut but I guess the team has, has struggled in, in in kind of multiple ways in terms of you know trying to find its its setup direction and, and stuff like that perhaps more than um, the team would have hoped or or expected but I guess where do you think you have excelled personally this season because any driver you speak to you know rates you very very highly and you know puts you in the kind of I guess the top 10 drivers of the season in in many cases so you know where do you think you've excelled and, and where has that been kind of maybe hidden a little bit by a lack of consistency this season I think everything was very filtered in the beginning of the season I think um, honestly I don't think you could have put anyone in in the car in in the stadium was in at in the beginning um you know that that could have performed much better than than I would say uh, any of the three of us really did um I think we we, we were throwing everything at it and, and just no reward. And I think that was mentally tough for the whole team, um, which is why that podium at the GP meant so much because uh, I knew that that was, that was a, the turnaround point for everybody, um, you know, for us to, to continue that path and, and that we were in the right direction. Um, I think that was, that was the most important. But, you know, for me, learning throughout the season how, how every single race pans out, I think that's been the biggest, um, you know, surprise for me. Even though that I knew last year in in 2021 when I did the the one-off event, how tough mentally, physically uh, it was. Even though that race I had uh, food poisoning, you know, so it's I knew that that race was also a specific um, scenario and, and situation. But throughout the whole year, I've I've probably been extremely surprised how physically tough the ovals are. Um, they, they've, they've been the ones that have drained me the most physically. And I was a bit surprised by that. Um, just because I think in my, my personal nature, uh, the way I grew up in, in Europe, we only do road courses and street circuits. So I'm probably used to that. Mm. Um, but the season overall has been great, you know, learning to work with a team, uh, through a whole year, uh, my teammates, my engineer, you know, my engineer was new for this year as well. Um, in the team so you know for us to build up a relationship and looking how it turned out at the end um, looking at, across the three cars I think uh, the second half of the season we were probably slightly stronger than the two other cars mm. and I think that that uh, that plays a part in that as well so uh, we need a crack on for next year I think the the winter this year is is super super important for us I guess it's probably quite a good point to highlight 
some of the interesting things about how kind of IndyCar, uh, I guess, set up and and kind of um, you know the the philosophy of the car works because you you know you mentioned throwing everything at it and you know I guess in IndyCar that's a process that doesn't really work because the obviously the the car itself is uh, you know a spec chassis but a lot of the parts like yeah. dampers and and things like that are, are things that you can develop within the team so you can't just change one small item of the car without changing how the whole balance of the car works. So I guess that's been something, maybe it's not totally new for you in terms of your experience, but something that you've kind of had to work through and, and something that's probably been a little bit different to some of the things you've dealt with in, in the past before. But I'm mean, looking, looking back now at the first test I did in, in Barber uh, in July last year um, and the race I did in August, it, it kind of lines up. I remember I, uh, I came from Europe, came over here to do the test and the race, and I came back to Europe being super surprised how much an IndyCar team throws at it. You know, they they don't run the car with the same setup twice uh, in a row. Um, they, they can do something, come in and then change something and then go back to what they just had or a completely different different direction, if that's dampers or, or ride height or roll centers or whatever it is. Um, you know what? They they're not afraid of 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 changing, and you don't see that so much in the European culture. That's more fine tuning, you know. That's it's been uh, done upfront, and I think for us to to calm everything down throughout, especially a weekend, has helped. I think the package between me and and the race engineer, you know, just to understand where we are and, and keeping things simple. Um, that 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 worked better for us, but also again, I think the car was in a better window then, so it's it's a little hard to compare as well. Um, but I think the the car is in a in a much better window than it for sure started in. Um, which is why I think you saw the performances and and the results we we had uh, at the end of the season. But um, for next year, the the ovals is for sure something we, as a team, as a driver, I need to to work on. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to see what we can how big of a step we can really make. Yeah. How, how much does the, the knowledge of the second half of the season uh, give you in terms of confidence going into next year? Because we see this quite often in IndyCar where there's teams that finish the season strong and then they, you know, they struggle again the next season. So how do you interpret the, the kind of the strides you've made? And, and do you think that they, that they will translate into a, a kind of an immediate boost at the start of, of next season? Or is it much more, you know, complicated and, and difficult to explain than that honestly i think if, if we just roll off uh the truck with the exact same car we we finished laguna sega with i think we'll already be be starting better than we we finished last year and i think there's a lot of a lot of teams that will try things over the winter for sure we we will be trying to uh to, to find more pace for sure um but i think as, as a good backup for us you know the car the uh, the window it's in it, it's in a good window so it, it works we obviously want to try and, and find some more but I think there's also a possibility that teams will will go backwards compared to to where they were this year we saw Penske mm -hmm. take a huge step this year uh, from where they were last year but I think Andretti you know faded off a bit compared to, to, to 2021 Mm. Um, I mean, it can happen for for every team. We we just need to to come out on on the better hand of it. But we do also know that where the car is now, it works. We probably won't win every race, but we will certainly be in a better position than than we started the season. And if we can keep making the progress we've we've made, I think we we will have a 
a very good year. If we're going to win it, I'm not sure, but we we sure will try. You obviously worked with some some brilliant teams, you know, before you came to America, like obviously thinking about ART and and obviously the work that you did with with Alpine as well. And you got to see how, you know, both of those teams at different levels, you know, kind of worked. And I was kind of, I don't want to say, I don't want to ask you whether you were surprised by the standard when you came over, because that kind of makes it sound like, you know, America's not as good as somewhere else or that I'm kind of downplaying how good the, the teams are. But was the, you know, were you, were you sort of interested in the the level that you found and, and was it even better than you were perhaps expecting that it was going to be when you came over? Speaking of, you know, some of those teams that you mentioned, like Penske and Andretti. I think uh, no one in Europe really knows how professional uh, IndyCar teams really are. I think it's. I, I I certainly don't know for for the other, I can't speak for for some of the other teams in IndyCar, but for sure we we are missing people right now. Uh, for the for the size of of the team is is growing into. Uh, you mm. know, with our new facility coming in, uh, hopefully being ready when I come back. I I hope so. I hope to uh to put in a new address in, in the navigation when I get back. <laughs> um, but you know, just looking at at how big the facility is. And comparing it to just the Alpine factory that that I've spent so many days at, you know, it, it, we're talking that level, if not better. So, um, you know, down talking IndyCar is not really a possibility anymore. I think the way the the sport over years is, is growing, um, I think it's only going to be a matter of years where, where we have a lot of the European drivers over here because they're they're searching for it because it's also becoming so popular and 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 then more known well. Uh, series and I think that's that's important um, and I think IndyCar needs to to promote it more um, because it is it is a proper racing series it's what racing driver wants to race in which is why I like it so much yeah for sure uh, I guess the I guess the kind of reflection in that is how many kind of people we've seen you know coming over from from IndyCar and obviously you've got Stefano Sordo coming over in in this off season to kind of help you with the the technical direction of the team so I, I guess we're seeing you know, more and more kind of people like that swapping over between the the series and and having an impact in in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's. I wouldn't say it's good or bad, but I, for sure there's 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 positives to it. I think you know him bringing in the some of the the European culture as well. You know, I think me and him will actually be able to work very well together because we we both have the same experience from from Europe and. You know, also, I'm I'm sure the team will will tell him what to do and what not to do in in terms of um, which kind of culture to bring in and and how much of it. But I I think the knowledge that he has, um, we can for sure use, and we need to use it the right way. And I think that's going to be what's what's going to be tough. Um, it it's a it's a big task, you know, to to put him in and and sort of expect him to to do. Uh, you know, turn everything around uh, mm. from from where we started uh, this season. We um, we we want to f- start a lot better than than there. We want to raise the bar, and I'm I'm sure he he can do that. That's why we, you know, we picked him. So um, I'm I'm looking forward for it. For sure, I, I guess anyone who's had uh, six seasons with uh, McLaren and and I guess over twenty years in in Formula One is is going to have a a big impact on your team. We spoke about some of the. The teams that you've competed against this season, Christian, in your first season of, of IndyCar, what have you made of the drivers? Because uh, I guess you're a kind of person who who will get asked about this fairly regularly because you've come from that, I guess, European-based ladder. But we've obviously seen Colton Herter not be able to to get a super license based on 
you know, the, the performances that he's had in IndyCar, having, you know, won races in, in IndyCar himself and, and still not able to, to kind of get that super license. So what have you made of the, the standard of drivers that you've, you've kind of competed against? And, and do you think they're kind of undervalued in that super license system? Yeah, but I, I think there's a lot of, um, I'll, I'll call it underrated drivers in IndyCar, but I, I do think there is in, in many junior categories across the, the globe. Um, mm. But I think, you know, the, the, the problem starts with the ladder because F4, F3, F2, F1, that was, that was the ladder, you know, to go into F1. And, you know, there hasn't, the last time we saw uh, an F1 driver coming from IndyCar was, uh, who was it? Uh, was it Villeneuve? From from uh, IndyCar to F1, you mean? Yeah, that used IndyCar as the ladder to go to F1. Or who was it? Montoya doesn't really count, does he? Because he kind of, uh, I guess... Went back and forth. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but no, no, I remember that it, it's many years ago, and obviously it was way before the, the super license uh, was even in place. Bordet, I guess. You uh, could argue Bordet would be... Yeah, maybe. Would be the one. I'm, I'm thinking of someone, someone else. It doesn't matter. I mean, my, the, the point is that the system is, was made in, in the later years and, and I don't think it's a secret that it, it was probably put in place because of Max uh, Verstappen, mm. you know, with, with the age that he, he signed his contract with. Not that I'm saying that he wasn't um, worth or, or ready for, for Formula One. I think it was great that, that such a system was made. Yeah. Um, but the way it was made back then was f4 f3 f2 f1 that was the ladder the point system was was leading to towards that but then what about everything else i don't think mm. indycar was big enough at the time that it was considered in that uh rank of of f2 and i, I now looking at it that's wrong because mm. now we have so many good drivers over here that isn't eligible to get a, a super license um and I, I think that's where the problem is i don't think there is uh, any driver that deserves a super license more than the others or any other. I think every, pretty much every driver that knows how to race a car and has won a race um, in a, in a top category on, on straight out pace and performance is, is worthy to, to have a super license and, and, and race an F1 if, if the team wishes. So, mm. I mean, unless, unless there's a very good reason not to put them in, in an F1 car, I, I don't see why, the, the drivers that are competing on the top level and, and competing for race wins and championships sh- shouldn't be allowed to to uh, to get a seat if if available you know yeah. I think everyone has pretty much the same um, opinion on it it's just how you you get to it I guess yeah I was just gonna say I don't think your opinions are particularly radical or, or one that isn't shared by by a lot of people so that's good to know and it's it's nice just to get a, a flavor of someone who you know, we can watch all we want from the outside, but you're actually going wheel to wheel with these guys and you, you get into a position um, where you're, you know, trusting certain people to do certain things when you're racing wheel to wheel with them. You kind of know how they're going to react and, and how they're going to respond. And that's something you can't always judge from from watching on TV. So it's always good to get a, a driver's insight on on that sort of thing. I guess uh, I wanted to ask you about the, the, the kind of being in the team from the point of view of, um, I guess when you were ART, you would have had a lot more kind of hands-on input in terms of um, you know how the how the team runs and stuff. But obviously, when you were uh, doing sim with Alpine and, and stuff like that, you're obviously a you know one person in a you know an absolutely massive organization. Yeah. So how how have you found kind of taking taking on a uh, I guess 
uh, more of like a you have to be a cheerleader for for your mechanics and you know everyone on on your car specifically you know motivating those guys and and keeping them you know I know that's not specifically your job and it's not something that will be written into your contract but it is something that you're expected to do is to you know to lead the team uh, as the, as the driver so how have you found kind of uh, adapting to that and and do you feel like that's something you've kind of settled into well I I would say so. I mean, um, actually, one of my mechanics is in in Denmark right now, and I've spent the last couple of days with him, uh, which awesome. which is pretty funny. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, already that that explains a lot. Um, I think um, you know, coming over here for sure, it was a big challenge even for myself because I was you know racing for for my future, but at the same time, I wanted to to keep everyone um, in in a happy place and and keep everyone in the team working and dedicated for for the the end result that might not be here right now but it's going to be worth it at some point and that's why our podium in in at the NDGP 2 um meant so much for us and especially for me i remember so clearly sitting in the press conference and i was like i'm, I'm i shouldn't really be sitting here it should be everyone in the team um saying the the, the words that that i'm saying right now because they they deserve this more than i do the the hard work and dedication that was put in to getting to just that point from where we started the season that's um and that, that was the turnaround point in the season where i thought okay everyone in this team no one quit no one stopped working um no one took a day off just because we had a bad weekend and we had another one and we had another one again you know they they kept showing up at work at whatever time in the morning that i'm still asleep <laughs> um, you know they were there working, working to 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 get the result that we wanted from the beginning. Um, for sure, I must have done something to keep motivating them. For sure, <laughs> um, but but at the same time, you know, it's it's if we all work hard enough together and we we keep this sort of I wouldn't call it friendship, even though that you know it's it, it is a very close friendship you 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 get to know the people and that's what i like about america that i never had before in, in europe except one year um actually two but that was with the same people mm. um is you know how close everything is how 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 well everyone knows each other it's you know we 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 have barbecues with uh with everyone's family at once and we sit there and there's grandchildren running around that you've got no idea who whose grandchildren it is before you meet them and then we're all sitting there and we're we're having a beer and you know we're, we're having fun we get to know each other personally um and i think that that meant a lot as well especially for me you know them bringing me in as a as their sort of second child um and i i, I do also have a, an american dad now which is actually uh jason my truckie <laughs> um no, I mean he he's taken me under his wing and you know taking care of me when whenever I've either been alone or had nothing to do or or anything you know we we've gone out and done done all sorts of of weird things and and I think that's you know that's what it's all about and I've not had that in the last couple of years in Europe yeah. so um I think that's how everyone's kept uh, kept each other motivated yeah and look what it turned out for, you know, so <laughs> it didn't work, can't be that bad. It didn't work out so badly for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about the, the, have you, do you think you've raced with a, maybe a bit of, a little bit more freedom this year in the sense of when you've been competing in the junior categories in the past, you've had to fight for the, for the budget to do the, the championship the next season, you know, if you crash the car, then 
you know, maybe that's going to be a, a something that's going to put you in doubt for the end of the season, maybe, or, you know, you're, you're dealing with a certain, you know, fine out amount of money that you've got to compete. And you know, that if you, if you crash or make a mistake or, or you don't get the result that you need, then, you know, that's an intense amount of pressure that you've got kind of hanging over your head while, while you're competing. And I, I know this season, you know, you, you had to sort of fight for that, for the contract extension that, that you've got and, and, and that was still a, a factor, but, do you feel like you've had maybe less pressure this season than you would have maybe in the junior categories and that's helped you, you know, kind of find a find fine performance this season? I mean, I, I don't have a uh, a history of, of making a lot of damage. Um I uh, I actually have a, a have proof of that, even though that uh, no one really wants to <laughs> this, see it. This but... season, e- this this season either. I couldn't I couldn't think of any uh, any big mistakes there's, there's you made this season one, either. This was the first GP where I hit Callum over the line in the rain where I couldn't see him. Um, ah, yes, that, at the end of the race. Yeah, and funny enough, it only broke the front uh, front wing. Um, plate you know the main plate that was it <laughs> yeah. suspension was fine the, the front wing was stuck under the car which is why i couldn't turn um <laughs> afterwards but uh that was the only damage to the car and i, I hit him hard uh like i'm i'm talking we're probably 50 60 miles an hour difference Jeez. uh between the two cars you know it was a big hit and both of us i didn't even know who i hit so i met him in the medical center 25 minutes later and we were like uh what the heck just happened here um but you know that that's been that's been it the whole year this year and i i didn't really have anything in f2 um the the most damage i've ever done to a race car was uh hitting the wall in in pole in formula renault euro cup in 20 2018 that's the the most damage i've ever made to a car which was just the right rear corner of the car um so i i don't have a have a very big history for that but i mean you know, I, I wouldn't really say I've raced uh, more free because I still knew that I, I had to to perform. But I, I told the team before, the, um, I think after the first race of the season, that we were struggling. I hit the wall in practice two and uh, broke my brake line, actually, which was a bit worrying uh, that that broke. Um, but we just managed to, to fix it five minutes before qualifying and i was already in the car bleeding the brakes with my helmet on five minutes before the session you know it's a bit of a a brain messer you know you're, you're sitting there in the car you're bleeding the brakes five minutes before green <laughs> for qualifying yeah um and you're unsure if you're going to make it out there um and all this kind of stuff and i went out there and i went uh, absolutely flat out we didn't make it through we didn't we didn't transfer that was what it was um, first qualifying of the year. I, I wasn't really unhappy. I was actually very happy that we even got the car on the grid. Mm. So, um, but then after that, I told the team, okay, we're not in the performance um, position that we want to be in, but I like this challenge. Now we have to figure out how to improve. It might've taken us a while, but I would say we, we sort of sorted it out towards the end. So, um, you know, racing for that is also what I love because, you know, there, there's nothing fun about qualifying on pole winning absolutely every race yes it might look good on on paper but the only thing you're really enjoying is is kind of the the, the fame and, and success it kind of gives you i uh i mean i rather want to start last than win every race you know uh, <laughs> and i think that's also been good for me i think that's taught me a lot this year is not being at the front always you know actually knowing that even though that you're 14th you have a chance 
and I've I've had so many races this year where we've had a um, a problem either on the pit stop or we've had to stop early because of some overheating problems or something where it's put us out of strategy, but it was looking very good up until then where we could have made up, you know, 10, 12 positions in the race and, and finish up in, in between top four to top eight. Um, we've, I, I'm going to tell you, we've had a few of those this year. <laughs> um, but, you know, kind of fighting for that, that is so much more satisfying than kind of racing in a sprint race in, in F2 where you just know, oh, it's a DRS train for the whole race. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Mm, so so you know that that kind of brought the joy of of racing again um so i for sure improved on on some things this year that that i've kind of probably forgotten because you've been been buried in, in something else in, in europe so that's that's for sure been been good um but that's that's why i love racing and i've found my sweet spot now <laughs> speaking of that uh enjoyment that you you kind of feel i wanted to ask you about qualifying because i i always find this really interesting speaking to drivers who've just come to indycar or, or people who are just kind of adapting to it because in many ways you know qualifying it, it means it, it means something in indycar obviously because if you're not qualifying regularly in, in kind of the top 15 the top 10 then you're going to struggle to, to fight for a championship but in terms of the race yeah. anything can happen and you don't necessarily have to start on pole like you would in formula one to to be able to win the race right so exactly with 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 that being said though how satisfying is it to nail a lap in indycar qualifying because you know that it's going to be you know thousands of a second between making it into the you know, or just graduating from any of the sessions you know it's going to be less than a tenth in in a lot of cases um so even even though you know maybe the qualifying lap isn't the be all and end all of your weekend how satisfying is it to to nail that lap knowing that you know just how difficult it is to achieve that I'm I'm just gonna say it's it's super satisfying, but it's way way harder in IndyCar than you think it is. So mm. the people that see uh, Will Power's qualifying record will probably think, oh, okay, yeah, Lewis Hamilton has got a hundred and plus wins, and and so on. Yeah, but considering how hard it is to nail a lap in IndyCar is pretty crazy. That's something that that kind of blew my mind throughout the season. Because, I mean, the Indy GP, we were always competitive. I mean, no matter when we showed up, if it was last year or the first or the second GP, we were, we were sort of in the mix, not for pole, but up there. And when you see Will Power, every time he gets in the fast six, there's always a lap. There's always a lap that is going to challenge for pole. And for me, I found that kind of extraordinary because, I mean, my qualifying at the second in, in the GP, I qualified sixth, but I had absolutely no more to offer than that lap. And I was kind of six tens off the pace compared to Rosenquist. Um, I know he was a bit further up the road than anyone else, but it, it kind of just proves how hard it is, um, you know, just nailing that lap. And also, I found one thing that's that's tough is that you can be that little bit better in one corner and then see it on the delta and then be like, oh, now I need to push even harder. And then you're like, oh, where did the grip go, you know? Because <laughs> you don't have a new set for, for fast six. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's sort of a strategy from the get-go in qualifying, how you want to play it. Um, but it's, it's mentally hard as well. So uh, it's, it's challenging. You know, hats off to, to Will Power for sure. Yeah. 
yeah, his uh, his mental approach this season has been extremely, uh, extremely impressive. Christian, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Race IndyCar podcast. We wish you all the best for the off-season. Hope uh, you get some relaxation in and yeah, best of luck towards uh, turning that sort of situation around that you were talking about earlier about you know wanting to, to start the season a little bit better than than this one thank you yeah i'll i'll, uh, I'll do my best now we'll, we'll keep ourselves busy throughout the winter for sure hi producer johnny here interrupting the show momentarily to tell you about roan a clothes brand we think you'd like i don't know about you but finding clothes you like can be tough sizes can vary from brand to brand and fabrics can be poor quality or uncomfortable We all know a good outfit can impact your confidence and help you feel your best. And that's where Roan comes in. Their range of stylish, functional, business casual menswear helps you look good without having to think about it. It's versatile, high quality and durable and works in a range of social and professional settings. Roan's commuter collection includes products for every occasion, including the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos and blazers. It also features, and get this, wrinkle release technology and Gold Fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, so you'll be fresh and clean all day long. Roan were kind enough to send me a shirt and some pants from the Commuter Collection, and I can tell they're gonna be part of my wardrobe for a long time to come. The Commuter Collection could get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash race and use promo code race to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com forward slash race and use code race. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. So that was Christian Lungard. Hope you enjoyed that. We were lucky enough to get a really relaxed and, and open Christian for our Rookie of the Year interview, which was which was awesome. Before we leave you, a uh, couple of quick news updates surrounding the NTT IndyCar series. McLaren Zach Brown has revealed the team is definitely open to running a fourth car at the Indy 500 next season. Uh, however, he's played down speculation it could be NASCAR star Kyle Busch, as although the team has talked with Busch, Brown wants someone with a bit more experience to take on the event. So the surprise new leading candidate for the role is Tony Kanaan, with McLaren expected to make a final call on its intentions and lineup for the event by the end of the month. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Elsewhere at McLaren, it's announced its leadership structure for the future. So ex-Red Bull and Penske engineer Gavin Ward is taking over as racing director. If you're confused with what that means, like I was, he's effectively the team principal and he'll share some of the duties 
with new signing and ex-race director at IndyCar, Brian Barnhart, who joins from Andretti and will work with Alexander Rossi on strategy like he did there previously. Elsewhere, Santino Frucci has joined AJ Foyt Racing for the 2023 season, making his first full-time deal in IndyCar since 2020 after impressive super sub roles in 2021 and 2022 alongside another top 10 at the Indy 500 with Dreyer and Reinbold this year. It'll be interesting to see what the super sub could do given another full-time chance at the series. And finally, documents from Alex Blue's court case with Chip Ganassi Racing have emerged which revealed a number of new details, including that Palou's contract ends following the 2023 season and he has a period of exclusivity lasting until September in that year. For more on that, via our in-depth feature on therace.com, the-race.com. That you hopefully caught up with news for now, but don't fear if a team decides to sue its own driver before our next episode. You can get all the latest news via The Race's new app, which you can find by searching The Race Media app. It's also worth following the race's social media channels, especially at We Are The Race on Twitter for further updates, including from IndyCar. So that's all for this week's episode of the Race IndyCar podcast. We'll be back soon with more fun off-season features, interviews, and the return of J.R. Hildebrand. The Athletic.